Dr. Kath Giles, uh, welcome to the UWA Alumni Innovation Podcast. Thanks, Oliver. Great to be with you, speaking with you today. Now, Kath, you've got a, a really impressive background as a medical doctor, investment manager, and startup CEO. Uh, but to begin with, I thought it'd be really great to uh, deep dive a bit into who Kath Giles is and, and get a bit of an insight into um, you growing up uh, and your journey to where you are um, today. Great, thanks. So um, yeah, I um, grew up in South Africa till I was eight and um, feel very fortunate that my family moved to Australia because um, Perth is the most wonderful spot to live, to grow up and to raise your kids. So I'm a really passionate Western Australian and I'm very passionate about helping develop Western Australia, um, particularly in the life sciences area. Uh, in terms of, I guess, my major um, influences when I grew up, my grandmother was a, a huge influence on my life. She was um, really pushed the barriers as a single mother and woman in um, STEM uh, in South Africa. And uh, so she taught me a lot when I was little, which was fantastic. Uh, and uh, so I guess uh, sort of the two key, I'm a great um, combination of my parents. My dad's a um, was an organic chemist and my mum's a fashion designer. So I have a love of both all things science and um, definitely got a creative streak from my mum. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and your dad um, was involved with UWA as well, I believe. So a long relationship there. Yeah, so he um, he was uh, he did a sabbatical at UWA, which was I was actually born in Perth during that sabbatical before we moved back to South Africa, and then um, he worked at Murdoch for twenty years, but collaborated closely with uh, with the chemists at UWA. Yeah, great. And then you went to UWA yourself and studied medicine. Yes, I did twice. So um, <laughs> once for medicine, and then I came back for more uh, and did my MBA at UWA as well. Yeah, great. And that leads you uh, to today where um, you're the, the CEO of OncoRes, which is a really incredible um, technology. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, I guess it's probably also worth saying that, um, so after graduating in medicine, I worked for a year and a half. Um, in full-time clinical medicine and then decided that wasn't the career path that was going to make me happy for um, for the rest of my career and went back to uni to do an MBA because my husband had also done his MBA at UWA uh, and through that found uh, venture capital. So that was uh, a great combination for a science nerd with some business skills, uh, getting to talk to really clever people inventing stuff um, every day and trying to figure out if there was a way that I could help it along its journey um, to get to the market and hopefully impacting people. Um, so uh, on career, I've continued to work as a doctor helping out in surgery since then, um, so over the last 15 years. And I first saw the technology that's behind on careers, which is also from UWA, um, back in 2013. And it was absolute love at first sight for me because I could see what the, how the technology could fit into surgical practice and how it could improve patient outcomes significantly. So I guess the question is, what is it? Um, so we're developing a new intraoperative imaging technology that will help surgeons get all the cancer out the first time. So it, um, we're first looking at breast cancer where over 30% of women who have a lumpectomy will have to go back for further surgery within two weeks because the surgeon doesn't manage to get all of the cancer out. 
and in an age where we have incredible technologies to assist us with so many things that we do um, in breast cancer surgery the surgeons are still relying very heavily on their senses of sight and touch to ensure that they've got all of the cancer out. So this technology that was developed at, in labs at UWA through a collaboration between the amazing Professor Christabel Saunders, um, AO, and Dr. Brendan Kennedy, who's the head of Bright Lab, that, um, the, it combines two imaging technologies and to effectively translate the surgeon's sense of touch into a microscale uh, image, which kind of gives them superpowers, which is extra cool as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah, so I started working it on, on it in 2013. Uh, and then it took us three years working together. So at that time, I was in my role at Brandon Capital Partners, which is um, Australia's largest uh, institutionally backed venture fund. So we've got over 750 million under management at the moment. And it's all from superannuation funds uh, and the federal government and CSL. So, um, and I was on a hunt for cool technology in Perth that we could help uh, create, well, that we could help get to the patients by taking it through a commercial journey. So um, this fitted perfectly into what I was looking for. It really excited me from, because uh, I'd seen how, it, you know, I've worked in theatres and could see how this could make an incredible impact. So we worked together for three years to develop an investment case around it. And we got funding of $6 million as a Series A investment in 2016. So that, I guess, is the start of the, we've reached the starting line then. Yeah, yeah. And since then, uh, I, I was lucky enough to see you pitch at, pitch at Palace uh, and went on to win that global competition. Um, and you've now um, recently returned from the US where you're in an um, innovator accelerator program there. And again, um, took out the pitching event with uh, best value proposition. So it's starting to get um, some real, real, um, yeah, excitement and, and buzz around it, rightly so. Um, and what's that been like, you know, going around the world and sharing this, this technology coming out of WA uh, and sharing that with the world? Oh, I can't tell you how exciting it is because I think, like I said, right at the very beginning, um, uh, key um, passion of mine over the last 12 years having worked in innovation is to improve the profile of Western Australia. We have so much amazing medical technology that gets developed here. Um, we've got a number of inventions from WA that have gone and changed patient care around the world and we don't tell those stories very well either in WA or outside it. So to have the opportunity to go showcase an awesome technology out of WA in such a global setting has been a bit, um, yeah, totally unbelievable. And the fact that we've got the response that we have to it has been even more exciting. So um, what I also love about this, and this, this news is hot off the press, is that um, as part of that, that MedTech Accelerator um, competition, we were asked to put a video together. And then that had 10 days that it was um, available online for voting. And we started out in about, there were 43 companies that were there to go in for that. And uh, we managed to harness such great support from Western Australia that we currently, as we speak, so I think there are probably about 24 hours left of 
voting are sitting in first position, which is wow. unbelievable when considering. So that might not be the way at the end of the competition. We've still got 24 hours to run. But um, that Western Australia has got behind us and supported us so much that we've, you know, taken out companies from a lot of companies from the US and elsewhere around the world. Just, um, just reinforces to me how important what we're doing is not only for um, improving healthcare and, and making the journey for breast cancer patients better, but also that we're bringing, I hope that we'll bring WA, um, the community very much along the, for the ride with us. And whatever the outcome is for Ankares, that will at least have helped um, shine some light, more light on the Western Australian medical innovation ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. And there are so many, um, you know, incredible uh, medical innovations that have came out of, of WA um, previously and are continuing. What do you think needs to happen for us to better tell our story as a state about some of these amazing innovations that are coming out? That's a really good question. Um, well, I think I would love to see um, more of the stories get told in popular media. media. Or I'd, I'd love to see the community in general get more engaged along the way. So often we'll tell a story of success when it's been successful, and that will have been 15 years plus potentially in the making, and it lasts 24 hours on the news cycle. And then, you know, maybe people around town in the industry will speak about it for longer. But there's, I think, what this is teaching me is that it's, you know, all of these things have a high chance. There, there are a lot of stumbling points along the way, and there is absolutely the chance that it will, at some point, something, a barrier will come up that's insurmountable. But bringing people along for that journey, I think, is really important, not only for getting the support and um, being able to tell the story and for them to have a story to tell, uh, you know, the community to have a story to tell, but also that um, Western Australia, is, Australians aren't as comfortable in investing financially in these types of companies and technologies. And until we bring people along for the journey more and there's greater understanding of the journey, I don't think we're going to change, um, change that. So, and unfortunately it means for us and for other companies in our position that we can go get financing from um, perhaps the East Coast or internationally, but then that takes us away from Western Australia. So um, from my point of view, I want to keep Ankara's local and growing here for as long as possible, um, not only for the sake of Ankara's, but hopefully to increase skills and capacity in, a, in Western Australia. So our team, after Ankara's is done, will be able to go on and create new opportunities and they'll have so much more skills and experience than they would have before having been part of this. Absolutely. Do you have any practical skills for people that are trying to tell their story? So they might have an idea, how, you know, how, how can they do that? Uh, also a great question. So this is, you know, after 12 years of venture capital, this is something that I only really learnt um, when I, I've been, since I've been seconded into the CEO role. So I think the Picture Palace experience was fantastic for me. Um, I have a fear of public speaking, so that definitely had, um, I had to come, overcome a lot of demons to do that. Um, but also 
being able to, I think I had to unlearn a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the last 12 years. So um, having to learn how to do a precision pitch is a very much time limited um, where every single word counts um, for you to be able to tell your story. Uh, and having to have the discipline to continue to practice and practice and practice and get people to throw things at you whilst you're practicing to um, so I'm very grateful to Brendan for listening to the pitch maybe 500 plus times I don't know how many and every time he makes a comment um, about maybe you should change that word or that word or is busy throwing things at me or you know that, that he's managed to keep engaged every single time I think is invaluable so having someone and more than one person that you can go practice your pitch on, talking to people outside of your area of expertise. So, so often we think, oh, well, I'll go talk to other people who are really experienced in my area. And we forget because we're in love with the project that we have and we've been doing it, you know, solidly for so long, we forget what it's like to hear about it the first time. So, um, and we don't necessarily understand what would be the buzzwords to someone who is not in the industry that we work in. So speaking to more people like that and getting their input, and that was again, fantastic. Um, that's something I learned through Picture Palace is um, both of the, so you get uh, an elevator who helps you prepare your pitch before um, the finals. And then again, I had another one, another husband and wife pair in London who did it as well. And yeah, their input was, invaluable so they were um certainly tara who was amazing in brisbane wasn't from our area but she immediately picked up on things and told me how to make sentences shorter said why have you got any of this this is a real buzzword in your industry why don't you include that word and you know i, I guess it's something that i have always thought was important in innovation which is talking to people outside of your direct area because you never know where you're going to get inspiration from or you can bring something that works in a slightly um, different industry into your own and it will work. So um, looking, looking for learnings like that. Um, so yeah, definitely lots of practice. To, talk to practice it on people who've never heard it before because you forget what it's like to hear it for the first time. Um, and yeah, they're, yeah, I think those would be the two key things. Yeah, great, thank you. And, and just continue on talking about, you know, uh, to people that uh, aren't necessarily within the industry. Within OncoRes, you've got quite a multidisciplinary team. Could you talk a bit about um, the team there and, you know, how you find working together and building a culture with, you know, such diverse backgrounds? Yeah, that's, that is um, also a great question. And I think now as our team's grown to 18 um, people who are in some way have their salary supported by Ankares, um, that is going to be much more, uh, taking much more of my time these days as, um, as opposed to what it did before. Um, so the other thing with medical innovation is you absolutely have to have a multidisciplinary team. So the commercialization of any kind of thing um, along these lines is, is very much a team sport. You have to um, bring, and they're both people in-house and also we have to have a lot, we have to use consultants as well because you need uh, area specialists for, and particularly to help you get through the FDA and 
regulatory bodies or you know understanding the US market. The US market's the first market that we're going for. Um, and the reason for that is that ultimately we know to have the greatest global impact for our technology, we have to partner with a global um, distribution company. So a striker, a Johnson and Johnson, um, one of those types of companies who has the sales force and the reach to really take us around the world. And so they, they are most interested in the US market and that's why we have to spend the resources that we have on targeting that market first. So yes, uh, managing multidisciplinary team is always uh, an interesting challenge. Everyone, it's, uh, it's awesome because you have such a diversity of inputs and frameworks of thinking. Uh, and it is really difficult because of that as well, because um, you know, even down to the way people use words differently, data room means a very different thing to a commercial person um, versus an academic versus uh, someone else. So, you know, you've even got to be aware that the words that you choose to use are going to be interpreted in a different way um, because you haven't understood what that word means in their language. So from things like that to also there's the constant clash of, you know, or conflict, there, there, there definitely um, are a lot of opportunities for conflict to arise between you know, because I guess from the commercial side, you know that they're limited resources, it's always a race to the market, um, those types of things versus on the product development side, you've got to make sure you get your product just right to be able to um, make sure that the clinical trials that you run are going to be optimised and you're going to get the results that you need to get. So there's, there's always a balance uh, and there's always a challenge, but um, at the end of the day, we're far stronger for the diversity so it's just all about, um, you know, getting to know people well enough so that you um, can all work together and have a good, uh, robust discussions um, without anyone getting, getting offended or upset. There's some great tips. And looking forward now um, for OncoRes, the next, you know, year, five years, 10 years, what, what's a great plan, you know, where would you love to see OncoRes in, in the future? Well, I, I would love to see us getting very close, if not being on the market, then being very close to being on the market in the US um, in five years' time. Uh, and, and I hope that we'll also um, be able to get through, you know, the Australian regulators and um, during the same sort of time period to make sure that we, um, you know, Australian women are also able to benefit from this technology. Uh, and I'd love to see that we, we may have had, also had the opportunity to do some early testing in other cancers other than breast cancer, because the technology that we have um, is very relevant across other cancers as well. Um, and so when we've got surgeons in other disciplines that are looking, would love to trial our device. So it would be fantastic to be able to, um, you know, really show that we do have benefit to other cancers as well. Yeah, fantastic. And, and that'll be a really long journey then from, you know, the birth of the idea through to market and commercialization. And I think, you know, nowadays entrepreneurship and innovation is very much on trend. Um, but it, it often we don't see, you know, the ups and downs of that journey. How do you continue to, you know, keep yourself motivated through that, that long journey and, and that, you know, roller coaster of, of new enterprise? 
Uh, you described it perfectly. It is an absolute roller coaster. So, um, and I think that's what my first boss in Matt Callahan in Venture Capital said to me when I came on board there. He said, Whatever you do, you've got to be prepared for a roller coaster. One minute we're popping champagne corks and the next everyone wants to slip their wrists. So, um, you know, and that can all that can happen multiple times in a day. So um, I guess it's being one, being aware that that's what it's like. Two, having a love of challenges and trying to figure out um, interesting and creative ways to solve them. So um, making sure that the team is stays very solution focused. Um, I think yeah, having just an innate desire as well to really make a difference. So, um, and, and that's certainly across the team too. People are driven to, um, you know, with a real desire to make a difference for patients and keeping that front of mind, I think really does um, drive a lot of our decision-making and, and keep us, you know, when the going gets tough, it's thinking about the patients and the difference that we can make to them that keeps us going. Yeah, great. Great. And I'd like to throw it back a bit um, to your time with VC now and, and um, you know, some of the things you've worked on through that. Um, and I guess first, I, I saw you um, speaking on, on another video and you said, VC, we take science fiction to science facts. And I, and yep. I really loved that. Um, and we were talking earlier about how many great things are, are coming out of WA, but I know um, more broadly, there's so many, you know, interesting things um, in, in medtech and beyond. So I was wondering if there's any, you know, exciting things you've seen um, recently or you've worked on um, that might be of interest to, to listeners to check out as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll start with stuff that's closer to my um, the projects that I've worked on more. So we've got a great, um, Brandon's also made, so similar to when I started in about 2013, I also saw what was a great, I thought was an awesome idea out at um, the children's hospital. So Barry Clements, who's a respiratory physician who specialises in cystic fibrosis, at that point had an idea around using a, a, a known drug to help make antibiotics for cystic fibrosis kids work better. Um, and I'd worked on the cystic fibrosis unit uh, when I was uh, working as a medical doctor at Charlie's. So I really, you know, for me, again, it was a problem that I'd seen um, and that was close to my heart. So um, I was really excited about it. I didn't, I didn't, to be honest, think that it was going to be um, something that would end up getting venture capital investment, but worked together, because I believed in what he was doing, worked together with Barry, um, the awesome team at Telephone Kids, um, and we brought in some other experts as well. So Matt Callahan came on board, so my previous boss, because he's got a real expertise in this area. And we worked for four years before securing $20 million of funding from, um, from Brandon and a significant grant from the US Cystic Fibrosis Foundation as well. So uh, that was incredibly exciting. So the company's name's Respirian. Um, it was in stealth mode for a while, but got officially launched earlier this year. Um, so really excited about, about that. Um, and certainly antibiotic resistance is a, a very topical issue at the moment. Um, and we've got to look at multiple um, methods of addressing it. Uh, and this is, I guess, one of them. So it's being able to take antibiotics that are already around, combine them with other drugs and um, increase their killing power so that they uh, help 
help reduce the load of bacteria on these uh, children with cystic fibrosis. So wow. yeah, that's one to watch. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in WA at the moment. We've got a lot of digital health, um, digital health projects that are happening. Uh, some also that uh, I know are in stealth mode and others that are more out in the open. Um, we've got OrthoCell, again, a UWA spin-out company. So that was, um, I was involved in OrthoCell back in 2006 when I first started in venture and when Stone Ridge Ventures invested in OrthoCell. They've now got over 25 people, I think, uh, and they've got a manufacturing facility down at Murdoch. They create, um, a, a, they have medical devices that, so it's a collagen-based scaffold that can be used to, in um, repairing soft tissue. So from, say, you know, a, a rotator cuff tear in your shoulder, to very excitingly now they've um, released some so they're listed on the asx but they released some early data to say that they help improve nerve repair which is pretty pretty cool so that's also from western australia um, and then they also they have two technologies their other one they take um, baby tendon cells um, out of your patella tendon, which is in your knee, and they grow them up in their labs, and they've shown that um, they and they inject them back into areas of tendon injury. So, for example, tennis elbow, which is something that there really is no treatment that works for at the moment, and they've shown that that their their treatment really does improve patient pain and function, which is fantastic. So that's that's definitely um, a very exciting uh, company to watch from WA as well. Yeah, incredible. I, I, I'll definitely be going to check those out after this. And, uh, you know, there, there'll be, I'm sure, a, a lot of listeners um, as well that might be working on their own project um, from various stages and, and possibly, um, you know, one day looking to attract investment. Do you have any practical advice for, um, you know, what attributes you looked for in potential investment or any practical tips for someone on that journey? Absolutely. So I'd say... Talk to investors early. It's never too early to talk to an investor because you need to understand what they invest in because all investors will have certain um, certain fields that they feel really comfortable investing in um, and that they choose to invest in. And that will be a combination of things as to, you know, where the good investment returns are, but also where the investors feel that they can add value other than just by providing money because a good investor will always... A good investor for these types of things at an early stage will always want to be able to add value more than more than just the money. Um, second thing I'd say is always get a warm introduction because investors get hundreds and hundreds of um, of you know inquiries a year, and then they'll invest in one or two. And a big part of the investment decision, certainly for me, was finding people that I wanted to work with. So. Uh, having a warm introduction from a trusted friend uh, of the investor goes a really long way to making a good start. The other thing I can say from my days as an investment analyst and always being the first port of call for a, um, every PowerPoint that came in is because I had so many to look at, I would automate, you know, make sure there are no, spe no spelling errors, all your punctuations, because it's a really, um, you know, having, showing attention to detail in those types of things goes a long way to whether or not you even make it through the first cut because often you know you, you, you'll have to go past a junior person and they've got to find a way to quickly um, be able to choose the ones that they're going to work 
work on um, and spend more time on. Uh, the other key thing is, and certainly, for, like I said, investing for me was a lot about the people. So the, the person, the entrepreneur is going to be the person with a great understanding and experience of their space and the passion about their product. And as the investor, I wouldn't necessarily know about that. So I don't need to be able, there needs to be a really good learning, two-way learning relationship between the investor and the entrepreneur. So the um, investor needs to, so it, it, relationship plays a huge part in this. So the investor has to feel that they can learn well from the entrepreneur and also that the entrepreneur is going to take the advice that they give um, around the commercialization journey. Um, and it's really important to have that um, really good working relationship because at the end of the day, um, you end up, so, you know, you're locked in together for perhaps nine or 10 years and you really want to make sure. So we'd always choose, well, I certainly would always choose to invest in people that I can, I know that I'll enjoy working with, that we'll be able to bounce, learn from each other. Um, obviously, you know, then I have, I've talked mostly about that. There are a whole bunch of other things around making sure that the project that you're working on is world leading. So, you know, having a really good understanding of who else is doing what and how you have a sustainable competitive advantage and how you're going to maintain that over the period of the investment. Um, and there are obviously lots of other general criteria that I can talk through, but it's um, probably, I think, sort of the, the secret bits, or the more secret bits are um, making sure you go far to developing a relationship with the investor. Never be worried about saying, I don't know the answer to your question, because they'll always ask you about a hundred different questions and you'll wonder why on earth are they asking you know, some of them you'll think, why on earth are they asking me that? Don't they understand? But I think it's it's also thinking about why they're asking you the question and trying to understand if they've actually understood what you are pitching to them. So assess their questions as well. So assess it to see, have they missed the point here? Have I perhaps not explained myself well enough? Um, but also never be afraid to say if you don't know the answer because nothing in investor hates worse than someone who makes up an answer um, because they don't want to appear like they don't know. So, yeah, definitely always say, I don't know, but I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And what's the, what, what, what was it like being a VC in WA? What's that climate like? Uh, so... It would be great if we had more VCs in WA. So at the time, I think we we currently, obviously Brandon's got a presence in WA. So um, Helga Mickelson has taken on my role at Brandon, which is fantastic. Um, it, it definitely took a while to build up the Brandon presence in WA, but we've got two great investments now and we're, you know, obviously continuing to work on um, getting some more as well. Uh, we... Yeah, we don't currently have, um, well, and I'm only talking in life sciences, but we, we do need more funding in Western Australia um, for VC, you know, venture capital investing. Yeah, and if, you know, I, I'm someone listening and I've got um, some experience and some possible funding that I might like to put into investing in ideas in WA, whether that's, you know, as an angel investor or, or VC, what's the best way for someone to get into that space, would you say? Um, Perth Angel, so getting in touch with someone, so like Greg Reeby, who um, is involved in that. Uh, there's also um, 
was Innovation Bay. I'm not sure about how what their current presence is in Western Australia, but that certainly was an excellent first um, port of call. Um, and I guess it's yeah, it's getting to it's, it is a it's a close knit community. So um, you know, as soon as you're sort of in and talking to someone, they should be introducing you around to others to help you. Um, you know, meet the others in the investing community and then um, start to go from there. Great. Well, it's been wonderful speaking with you uh, today, Kath. And I've got one more question um, for you before uh, I let you get back uh, to, your, to your number of um, amazing projects you're working on. Uh, so what advice would you give to um, someone listening who's looking um, to pursue or currently pursuing uh, entrepreneurship or, or an innovation pathway. If you could give one piece of advice. Be open-minded. So you never know, um, you know, talk to everyone you can, take meetings with everyone you can. You never know when um, a conversation you have today is going to reap rewards in a few years' time. So, um, and be open-minded to where you get your inspiration from. Dr. Kath Charles. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. Thanks, Oliver. It's been great to chat.